January 3, 2024. My name is Jaron Jackson. I do love America. For me, it's always about the gospel of Jesus Christ. His death, his burial, his resurrection. That is God's only way to salvation is to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for the remission of your sins. His blood washes away those sins. It's the only way to salvation. Amen. That's the reason why I do what I do. I love Jesus. Today, we're going to be continuing our series of Immigration Part 3. We started Part 1 at the end of 2023. We did Part 2 yesterday. Part 3, Lord willing, today will be continuing and building on those ideas. So if you're watching this one and you haven't watched 2 or 1, um, there's other content to do. Today, we're going to be focusing on Denver, Colorado. There was a story today that I saw tweeted that was going to be, um, well, I'll, I'll, I'll set it up this way. I'll just play the video real fast and that'll be the setup. So we're going to be focusing on illegal immigration, aliens, in Denver, Colorado, but we're going to be showing the fundamental law. Lord willing, that's what we'll do. Here is the video setup. The corner of Spear and Zuna is no place for a family. Yo tengo mi nieta de siete años, dormimos en las carpas. Nairith made it to Denver after months of traveling from Venezuela. Her grandchildren are six months and seven years old. In between coughing, Camila tells us she's been sick all the time and her family doesn't have the money to buy her the medicine she needs. Tonight might be the last night the family of 10 spends living in the cold. Tomorrow morning, Denver police will come through and clear the camp. The city has made space for 320 of the migrants living here to move into shelters. They'll be allowed to stay there for 30 days, with the hope of moving into permanent housing after. No es nada concreto, porque no sabemos a qué parte nos van a llevar, pues. Pero un techo que nos dé es una bendición. Out here, it's clear Denver has a problem. This uh, challenge is far larger than we've ever seen it before, and the scale can feel overwhelming. Inside city council, the mayor is sounding an alarm on how much this crisis will cost. Our budget right now for 2024 at this capacity would be about $180 million for 2024. Um, you can do the math in your head, but that's about 10 to 15% of the entire general fund budget for 2024. Democratic Mayor Mike Johnston put around $50 million towards solving homelessness last year. The migrant crisis could cost more than three times that amount this year. That would be a very, very painful conversation about budget options if we had to figure that out. In a battle between a city wanting to be welcoming and a city's bottom line, the future is not clear. There is a lot of suffering in the world. Today we're going to be starting off with Proverbs chapter 3, verse 33. The curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked, but he blesseth the habitation of the just. If you follow Jesus, if you follow God, you have his wisdom. His wrath is not going to abide on you. The wicked, who don't 
follow Jesus, who don't have Jesus Christ's wisdom, are going to be visited and having God's wrath in their house. The curse of the Lord is in their house. Talking about immigration, we've investigated the idea that whenever someone is leaving their nation or they're leaving their country, that they have a right to freely travel because God is good and you may travel his earth. But they have a duty to the nation and the people that they're leaving, which means that the nation and the people have to, the nation that they're leaving has to give them up. Did all of these people, were they released by their home nation? That's one question. Because if they can contribute to their homes, why are they leaving? If they're leaving their homes and they can add value to their homes, they shouldn't be leaving and their nation has a right to say, you can't go, we need you. So if the people are leaving, it means that their homes have said you can go, which means they don't have value, or B, that they weren't saying that they could go and they've actually taken their value and their um, productivity away. At which point, it now comes to immigration, which is the process of coming to another land, a foreign land for permanent residence. If these people have come here for permanent residence, they have the right to come but they don't have the right to stay. So just because you can come to a nation, you may freely travel to, you are now abiding and consenting to the laws of that nation. That is what has been missing because people don't know the law. This scholarly review of immigration has been walking people through what the Constitution says, what our founding fathers understood, what the law of the land is because we have not been taught it. Lord willing, today we'll zoom in on the Municipal Corporation of Denver, Colorado, and how they are violating fundamental law. They admitted it in that news clip, even though it was biased for your emotion. Before that, I'd like to direct your attention how you can bless me, my family, and the work that I do herein, which is to sign up at patriotswitch.com slash jaren, patriotswitch.com slash jaren. That link is in the description. Take the money that you're already spending on household products and switch it over to American Manufacturing. Myself or someone will call you, we'll talk to you, we'll walk you through the process, and you will know all about what's going on before anything is permanent. I promise. If you join and say, nah, this is not for me, leave anytime, no fees or hassles, or it's not hard to do if you just say, hey, it's not me, God bless. But if this is the case, the best way to support me and my family and the work that I do, the information that I'm presenting, is to go to patriotswitch.com slash and use your dollars to benefit American manufacturing. Amen. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 33. The curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked, but he blesseth the habitation of the just. The way that you dwell makes sense. Now, you can think of a physical house, a physical place, but it's also the nature of your mind, and is it focused on what Jesus says and God's wisdom as the Bible teaches, or is it on something else? I want to shift to our um, scholarly review. The very first thing that we're going to be doing is going to Sir William Blackstone. This is book one, volume one, volume one of Sir William Blackstone. Blackstone literally wrote the book on the common law. America is a common law nation, and so if you want to know what the common law is, you read Blackstone because he will tell you what the common law is. Here I want to go to book one, chapter seven. Let me go to my handy dandy. Book one, chapter seven, and we'll look at what, oh, come on, camera. This camera, I tell you. Producer of one, folks. There's a pencil. Do we have, there we go. Now, the words are, oh, shoot, this is going to be bad. 
Come on, give me, give me my focus. Give me my focus. Oh boy. Uh, okay, so upon the same or like reason, the king has also. Oh shoot! Come on. <laughs> come on, camera. Come on, camera. See, I did a radio show today with Jake Merrick, uh, former Oklahoma State Senator, and I was like, I do a live stream, which means my mistakes are captured live, and there's no glossing over them, and this is no different. I'm a producer of one. I just have me. In fact, that's my camera. That's my camera right there. Right there. That's, how it look. that's what it looks like. So there's your behind-the-scenes footage. Well, this is just stupid. So I'll, I'll hold it right here, but the, you just listen to what I say. But this is what a paragraph I'm doing. It's page 263, volume 1, chapter 7, uh, and this is, this is what it is. I'll read it, and you guys can you know zoom in if you want. Upon the same, or like reason, the king has also the prerogative of conferring privileges upon private persons, such as granting place or precedence to any of his subjects as shall seem good to his royal wisdom. This is, oh, there it goes. The, the book is saying, Blackstone saying that it's the king, where are you at king? The king has the prerogative of conferring privileges. This is like citizenship. If you come to the nation, the king, the sovereign, has the, he and he alone has the power to do what? Confer privileges. This is what I was speaking about yesterday whenever I was speaking about immigration to states is a state issue and not a federal issue. The federals, the federal government has the power of um, uh, naturalization, which is conferring privileges, but they do not control the power of immigration, which is physically going to those states. Those two things are not the same. Go watch uh, episode two. Go watch uh, part two. To any of his subjects, as shall seem good to his royal wisdom or such as converting aliens. For see, an alien is foreign, and so to convert an alien is to naturalize them, to make them the same as the natives. Or persons born out of the king's dominions, into denizens, which is a resident of that area, whereby some very considerable privileges of natural-born subjects are conferred upon them. Make sense? Such also is the prerogative of erecting corporations. Now understand what's going on here. The king can confer privileges to people to convert them in to convert aliens into be as though they are native born natural born the king can also erect which is to create and stand up corporations whereby a number of private persons are united and knit together and enjoy many liberties powers and immunities in their political uh, politic capacity which they were utterly incapable of their natural Understand that what we're going to look at today is a municipal corporation. These are cities. Cities are municipal corporations. All government is a corporation, always has been, always will be. Why? Because it's a number of private persons that are united in it together, which enjoy many liberties, powers, immunities in their political, uh, po politic capacity, which they were utterly incapable of in their natural. Why do people form uh, corporations? They are utterly incapable of, in their natural capacity, to do these things. So they form corporate bodies that then have powers, liberties, immunities. Um, of aliens, denizens, natural-borns, and naturalized subjects, I shall speak more largely in a subsequent chapter, as also of corporation at, at the close of this book at our commentaries. I now only mention them, incidentally, in order to remark the king's prerogative of making them, 
Understand that before you can talk about uh, converting aliens into citizens, before you can make someone who is a foreigner into someone who is as natural born, before you can have uh, anyone that's, uh, where are you at, uh, talking about corporations, before you can convert aliens into natural born subjects, before you can make corporations, you have to have the king's prerogative. You have to have the king's prerogative of making them. What does the king do? The king converts aliens into residents of his nation, but the king also erects corporations. You have to see that. I hope that's very clear. The king's prerogative, it's his will, it's his wish, it's his demand, it's his choice. Blackstone calls it royal wisdom. The royal wisdom of the king is to do what? Converting aliens and making corporations. Okay, so there's a nature of the king's wisdom being applied to the governance of the kingdom. Now, this is William Blackstone, who had a British crown. In America, we are the sovereigns, which is grounded upon this foundation. What's the foundation of the king's prerogative of, convert, of converting aliens and making corporations? That the king, having the sole administration of the government in his hands, is the best and the only judge in what capacities, with what privileges, and under what distinctions his people are the best qualified to serve and to act under him. A principle which was carried so far by the imperial law that it was determined to be the crime of sacrilege, even to doubt whether the prince had appointed proper officers in the state. Do you understand what Blackstone is saying? Blackstone is saying that the king has a will based on his royal wisdom to convert aliens and to, uh, to convert aliens into denizens and to create corporations. Here you have what I showed you, that video that I played for you, Denver. Denver is a municipal corporation, so it was a corporation erected from the Constitution of Colorado, and these illegal aliens coming into this nation are there and can only be converted by the royal wisdom of the king. And this is where it's necessary for you to understand that our constitutions are written pieces of paper. The written pieces of paper, and we define this in part two, the written pieces of paper limit government, bind government, only distribute limited powers, regulate the function of those powers. And if those powers are betrayed, if they're not done, or if they're abused, if they're arbitrary or capricious, the Constitution provides for the, uh, the punishment of the people that are going against the power. We don't know. We haven't been taught this. We have not been taught this. So that's Blackstone. And by the way, the reason why I quote Blackstone is if you bring up William Blackstone, who literally wrote the book on common law, if you bring up Blackstone, that is what the common law is. So if someone's like, well, what's the common law? Read, read the book. That tells you what the law is. Anyway, I digress. Here we go. Uh, what do we want to do now? We want to go to John Locke. Now I'm going to go to John Locke. So John Locke was a predecessor of Blackstone. And we're going to go here. John Locke was a predecessor of Blackstone. And what we're going to do is we're going to read a couple different things. Hold on. Let me do one administrative thing real fast. Hold on. Producer of one, producer of one, producer of one. If you want to support what I do, then you can do that. Links in the description below. That'd be a blessing to me, my family, and America. So I could keep going. Not that. This. 
so I can keep doing what I'm doing. Amen. Here we go. John Locke. The very first thing I want to do is I want to go to page 146 on this document, which is book two, chapter eight, section 119. We're just read. Book two, chapter eight, section 119. Um, that sounds like a song. John Locke is an authority on our Constitution. He's an authority on what the civics of the government is. So if you want to understand what the government is, how it functions, where does it come about, how does this all work, that's this is where you would go to understand American government. Now, what you need to understand is that you take John Locke and you combine him with William Blackstone. Blackstone's commentaries of the British common law defines what the common law is. John Locke's second treatise of government tells you what the government is. So there's the government and how it functions, how it came about, but then there's also the common law and how the common law is regulating, giving power to, and, and solving controversy therein. All right? So John Locke, uh, what was it? Book 2, Chapter 8, Section 119. Every man being, as has been shown, naturally free and nothing being able to be put him into subjection to any earthly power. Now think about that. This is a Christian perspective. The Christian pers this is why whenever I say and other people say the common law comes from the Bible, this is, this is, this is Christ's wisdom applied to government. John Locke used the Bible over 1,500 references to tell you what government was. So whenever he's saying uh, every man is naturally free, that's a Christian concept. That's a concept that comes from the Bible. Okay, Subject to any earthly power. So by nature, you are not subject to any earthly power. Why? Because Jesus Christ is king. He gave you rights. Go do stuff. I'm going to start preaching instead of read. I just need to read. But only to his consent it is it to be considered what shall be understood as a sufficient declaration of a man's consent to make him subject to the laws of any government. There is a common distinction of an express and tacit consent, which we will concern our present case. Nobody doubts but an express consent. Now, express means written. So if you've got a written consent, like a contract, no one doubts what's written because it's written, which is why God gave us the written word. That's why the Bible says the word has become flesh. We have a Bible to know what God says. This is why when you attack scripture, you deny God. Um, of any man entering into society makes him a perfect member of society, a subject of that government. The difficulty is what ought to be looked upon as tacit consent and how far it binds. Example, how far anyone shall be looked as to have consented and thereby submitted to any government. So what Locke is saying is, well, we can see when something's written, there's no question, which should bring to you the idea of how John Locke thought about government. See, in John Locke's mind, and in our founder's mind, the written constitution leaves no interpretation. It means what it means, it says what it says, and if it doesn't say it, it's not written. This is what it means to have an express trust as your constitution. We define that in part two. So because the constitution is expressly written, there's no question what the law is. The issue Locke's bringing up here is what happens when the law is not written, or what happens whenever there's tacit consent. So if express is written, tacit by definition is not written. So what's not written consent? And that's what he's talking about. 
So uh, how far shall anyone be looked upon to have consented and thereby submitted to any government where he has made no expressions of it at all? So one of the ways that you express your will, again, an expression is you're, you're writing it. So if I am under the subjection, uh, subjection of the government, there has to be, excuse me, there are two ways that, to show that I am subjected to the government, express and tacit. You either write it to say, I am subjected to the government. This is what your trustees do when they swear an oath to the Constitution. Or there is a tacit consent. And that's what he's going to explain herein. And to say this, I say that every man that hath doth any possessions or enjoyment or any part of the dominions of any government doth thereby give his tacit consent. So if you are participating or if you enjoy possessions or if you're any part of the dominions of the government, you are tacitly consenting to that government and is as far forth obliged to obedience of the laws of that government. During such enjoyment as any one under it, whether this his possession be of land to him or his heirs forever or a lodging only for a week. Remember the clip of the lady that we played at the very beginning, the lady from Venezuela, the, the illegal alien. She's here unlawfully. But she's here. And because she's here, she's consenting tacitly to the laws of this government of the state of Colorado and every jurisdiction that she crossed from the border to Denver, even if it's only for a week, right? Or whether it barely be traveling freely on the highway and in effect it reaches as far as very being of one of these within the territories of that government. So John Locke is saying if you are under the jurisdiction of the government or you are tacitly, you tacitly consent to the laws of a government if you are within the dominion of that government. If you, and we used in part two, that just because the international boundary between America and Mexico exists, it does not mean that you can cross the international boundary and enter into Texas and still be under the jurisdiction of the United States, which you are, is you are in the jurisdiction of the state of Texas. Part one, we define state is that territory that has the sole dominion. It's got the exclusive dominion. So a state of Texas has the dominion of the, of the, of the territory of Texas. And because we in our brains have a parasite of bad knowledge and education, we believe that the um, we believe that the picture of the map of America is the jurisdiction of the United States, and that is not the case, because government is a corporation. Corporations are created; they're either express or tacit created. A municipal corporation, a state constitution, a United States constitution exist on paper, paper. So if a state has a territory, it exercises sole dominion over that territory. So when someone crosses an international boundary into the physical state territory of Texas, Arizona, California, whatever, they are under the jurisdiction of that state. We saw in part two where the state in Arizona had wrongly started to try to regulate the migration of illegals through economic means. But because the U.S. Constitution grants the U.S. Congress the power to regulate commerce, when Arizona passed statute to curb the, the influx of, of illegals because of economic uh, sanctions or economic uh, regulation, the U.S. Congress, the Supreme Court decision said, uh, the Supreme Court said the U.S. Congress has the power to regulate commerce which means that what Arizona was doing was unlawful and took away the jurisdiction and the power of the U.S. government, which is true. 
But it's only true because the power to regulate commerce was granted to the U.S. Uh, Constitution and not the power to um, protect the safety and the danger of the people inside the state, which is where I'm going today. I hope that makes sense. I hope that makes sense. Now, this next one we're going to do is we're going to go down to, um, on this document, it's page 192. But this is Book 2, Chapter 19, Section 226. Thirdly, I answer that this doctrine of a power in the people of providing for their fair, uh, for their safety anew. Now, understand, John Locke here is talking about the power of the people providing for their safety. See, I just got done talking. I just got done talking about the Supreme Court decision saying that the power to regulate commerce is in the U.S. Constitution. And so when states fight illegal immigration using statutes to regulate commerce, the United States will dip down and say, we have the power to regulate commerce. So when states don't make a safety argument, they make a commerce argument. When statutes make a commerce argument, the feds are in control. When states make a safety argument, the states are in control. And this is where uh, John Locke's going to go. So uh, um, by a new legislative, right? So you got to understand, this is written at a time before America. So when he's talking about a legislative, he's talking about the parliament. When he's talking about the prince, he's usually talking about someone that the king has appointed. Okay? So this new legislative, which is the power to, to write laws, when their legislators have acted contrary to their trust... Remember how the constitutions are trusts? See, you and I have programming that we hear, um, when we hear, let me do this. When we hear the word, you've betrayed the public trust. Our brains, our thinking is not rooted on law, it's rooted on narrative. And the narrative is, you have done something to where I don't trust you. We hear public trust and we hear popular sentiment towards the likely towards people who like that person do you trust joe biden that's what we think we hear public trust and we think the public popular opinion does the popular opinion trust this guy that's not what the law is in the law a trust is a um it's an entity that holds property for the benefit of others and so the public trust is the constitution, we defined it part two, that gives powers to government for the benefit of the people. So if I am not benefited by the powers that government is using, the government, according to Locke, is acting contrary to the trust. All right? By invading their property, invading, 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 invading is the best fence against rebellion and probabilist the mo uh, means to hinder it. For rebellion, get this, get this, because your brain is gonna go through a, a shock right here. For rebellion being in opposition, not to persons, but authority. Stop, 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 stop. If the Constitution grants a power and that power is abused against the people the rebellion is not in the people. The rebellion is in the abuse of the power. So when the municipal corporations like Denver are using taxpayer money to house illegal aliens, it means the taxpayer money that they got was used by the powers granted to them and it's going contrary to the express words of the trust 
the Colorado Constitution. Does that make sense? Slow down, play that 25 seconds over and over and over and over and over, word by word, until it makes sense. Your constitutions are written. If the words are not on the constitution, they are not the law. Anything that's downstream or in pursuance is going to be a specific grant of power that has to come from the general grant of power. If it's downstream in the specifics, then it has to conform to what's the general. So a municipal corporation, which as we saw in Blackstone, which comes from the, um, the, the, the royal wisdom of the king, and in America, you create government, and because you have all political power, you are the king. We the people are the king. We are the sovereign authority. And because we are the sovereign authority, us erecting a corporation is based on our judgment. So whenever we erect a municipal corporation and then we say in the constitution, here is your power, if that municipal corporation, like Denver, uses its powers against people, that municipal corporation is in rebellion. The people doing it are in rebellion. If they're in rebellion and they're doing rebellion, they are at war with the Constitution. This is treason. When you have people in government going against the written Constitution, they are in rebellion to the government. That's what he's saying. Which is found on, look at this, uh, for rebellion being in opposition, not to persons, but authority which is found only in the constitutions and laws of the government. Does, is that what I just, isn't that what I just said? I just said the authority is in the law. So whenever you're going against what the law says, you are in rebellion to the authority of that law. Those, whoever they be, who by force break through and by force justify their violence of them, are truly and properly rebels. For when men, by entering into society and civil government, have excluded force and introduced laws for the preservation of property, peace, and unity amongst themselves. So Locke is saying, listen, if people are going to not use force and violence and kill people, and they're going to enter society and write down constitutions and laws and say, this is how we're going to regulate ourselves. If that's what they do, that's who he said. Those who set up force again in opposition to those laws do rebel. Those who set up force again in opposition to those laws. If you are in government and you're using the powers of government to go against what the constitution and laws say, you are in rebellion. You are in the rebellion, not me. This is why when people say, and think about this, and this is where I would encourage you to go to, um, you know, my mentor, friend, brother in Christ, uh, uh, Dave Jose. Uh, Real Dave Cares For You, the, the letter on Twitter, um, where, where he would say, like, think about the psychology. When you say, or when, when, when you hear of mask mandates coming, lockdowns, when you hear that, your training is you are subjected to government. Because that's your training and that's your paradigm, that's, that's your bad parasite philosophy, because that's what you think, when you hear other podcasters and other conservatives say, I will not comply, that connotes rebellion against the authority. Flip it. 
you are the sovereign. You have the sovereign power. We, the people, have all political power. We established the government. We wrote the state constitutions. We gave them power. When they do not do what the Constitution says, they are in rebellion. We didn't give them the power to put masks on our face. We didn't give them the power to put shots in our arms. We didn't give them the power to shut down our businesses. We didn't give them the power to let mass uh, aliens come into the country. We did not give them that power. That they use it or abuse it shows their rebellion to the Constitution. And war against the Constitution is treason. When they rebel against the Constitution, they are in rebellion. Not us. When we say what the law is, we are using power. We are saying this is what the law is, which is peaceful, which is also Christ's wisdom, by the way. God's going to get this glory. Let's go back. They do rebel. That is, bring back again the state of war. Look at that. And are properly rebels, which they are in power, which, are, which they who are in power. Look at this. He's literally telling you. They who are in power, by the pretense they have to authority, the temptation of force they have in their hands, and the flattery of those about them, the, the globalists paying people off, greasing the skids, you get uh, homes deeded to you through backwards deals, Hillary Clinton freaking Blackwater, all of these different things is what Locke is pointing to. Those who are in power privilege themselves because of that power and then as a result of the flattery or the business deals or the personal advantage or financial gain whatever they do they are benefiting at the expense of the people but they do so as rebels they do so as rebels being the likeliest to do the properest way to prevent the evil is to show them the danger and injustice of it how what does Locke say the properest way the best way to do what prevent the evil is to do what Show them the danger and injustice of it. You show your government officials what the law is. You show them it's founded in constitutions and laws of the government. You show them they are going against the law. That's what you do. That's what we do. This is what Dave Jose teaches. This is what uh, people who follow him and are in his groups do. This is the fundamental law. This is John Locke. I will say that these globalists, this is one reason, if I can benefit real fast, this is one reason why, uh, excuse me, this is one reason why we, um, where'd I go, where'd I go, where'd I go, where'd this thing go, did I turn this thing off? This is one reason, yeah I did, there we go, this is one reason why I would encourage you to go to patriotswitch.com slash Jaren, um, not only to support me in the work that I do, because literally, I just showed you the book, I just showed you the fundamental law of how to stop illegal aliens. And we're not done yet. We still got two more clips. I just showed you what the law is. It's never been shown to you. If that's worth anything, patriotswitch.com slash Jaren, take the money you're spending, stop giving it to the godless commies so they can continue to rebel against the government and give it to American manufacturing to get direct product purchase right to your door. It's a shopper's club. If you are not, if you don't like it, don't want it, amen. There's no harm, no foul. You can leave at any time. If so, uh, if you do, as hundreds of people have with me, um, it's a blessing. It's a benefit not only to me, not only to them, not only to the nation, but it's a different way of thinking, which is good, which is what we're going through today. So patriotswitch.com slash Jaren. I want to bring this back up. So there you go. There's there's that. There's that. Now let's go to page 199 on this document. 
And let's go to, this is book two, chapter 19, uh, section 240. Book two, chapter 19, section 240. Here it is like, the common question will be made, who shall be judge? Whether the prince or legislative act contrary to the trust. Now think about this. Think about this very clearly. You can imagine if you bring this to your legislators, if you bring this to your mayor, if you bring this to your county commissioner, if you bring this to anybody in government and you tell them, all these mass aliens, this mass migration, this illegal immigration, this is bad for us. This is bad for us. And they're going to be like, well, I don't think so because if they bring the welfare and it's diversity and it's inclusion. and it's Understand that those things, diversity, equity, inclusion, that is a moral precept. And by bamming that through your eyes and your ears, DEI, 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 diversity, equity, inclusion, diversity, equity, inclusion. That is taking a morality that ain't of the Lord, it ain't of Jesus Christ, and shoving it down your face. And by taking that morality and shoving it down your throat, they're trying to get you to understand this is for your benefit. This is for your welfare. This is for the betterment of the nation. Why do they do that? Because if you go along with it, you're consenting. If you go along with it, you have judged that this is good for America. Does that make does that make sense? If they say it's good for you to see homosexuals or the breakdown of the family or trannies or whatever, if that's what they're saying, the reason why they're saying that is because you are the judge. If you are the judge and you can say we don't like that, then you show them in the law where that goes against your morals but it goes against the common law. This is why the Christian religion is part of the common law, which is one of the maxims. This is why you learn your maxims. Because if you can point to them in the law and say that goes against this, they have to stop. How do I know that? Read John Locke. It says this. Oh, y'all probably can't see that. Let's, let's jihad this a little bit. There we go. Uh, here, it is like the common question will be made, who shall be judge, whether the prince or legislative act contrary to the trust? He's literally saying, who gets to determine who goes and breaks the law? If your constitutions are trusts, who determines who can break the who who determines who breaks the trust when they break the trust? This perhaps ill-affected and factious men may spread amongst the people. That's your diversity, equity, and inclusion. That right there is, is the narrative. That right there is your information war. That right there is your propagation, your propaganda. That is what the godless commies do. This is why if the church ain't preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified, you are losing. If you're not preaching the gospel of salvation, if you're not preaching what the Bible says, you are going to what? You're going to have ill-affected and factious men may spread amongst the people. They will push their godlessness so that it will be made to seem as though it's common, popular, and accepted. Why? Because if it's common, popular, and accepted, what they do that is contrary to the trust won't be judged as contrary to the trust. Does that make sense? If they can justify women in the workplace or the sexual liberation of women or baby butchering or open borders or diversity and equity and inclusion, if they can get you to believe that to where you're not preaching against it, where you're not bringing the law against it, they will not be adjudged. They will not be, it will not be concluded that they've broken the law. It won't be concluded that they are rebelling against the constitution. Does that make sense? The reason why they have to destroy and go after God's law is because if you show them what the truth is, if you tell them what the truth is, you get to smash them as rebels. They are rebelling, not us. I'm not rebelling against the United States. 
I'm not rebelling against the state of Oklahoma. I'm not rebelling against the state of Colorado, California, Texas, you know, Missouri, whatever. I'm not the rebel. They're the rebels. They're the rebels. And this is this is John Locke proving it. He's going to say this. This perhaps ill-affected and factious men may spread amongst the people when the prince only makes his do, uh, makes use of his due prerogative. To this I reply, the people shall be judge. For who shall be judge whether his trustee, look at that trustee, look at that freaking trustee, or deputy acts well and according to the trust reposed in him. But he who deputes him, who, who, makes, him the, who, who makes him the deputy? Who gave these people power? You did. Who created governments? We did. Who put them in office? We did. Who then, who therefore gets to judge whether they're doing righteousness? We do. But he who de de deputes him and must, by having deputed him, deputed him, deputized, have still a power to discard him. You have the power to discard him at will when he fails in his trust. If this be reasonable in particular cases of private men, why should it be otherwise in that of the greatest moment, like mass illegal immigration, tens of millions of people coming in the country, where the welfare of millions is concerned, and also where the evil, if not prevented, is greater and the redress very difficult, dear, and dangerous? He's literally telling you, you are the judge of your servants. You must you know, hold them into strict subjection, is what Peter says in the, in the epistle of 1 Peter. You must hold your trustees in strict subjection, and you do that by the written trust of the Constitution. That's what he's saying. That's what this is saying. Now, last one. Last one. Let's go back to this. Last one. I hope you guys are understanding this. This is, this is amazing. We're going to go uh, page 200. Did I do that right? What do I want? I want, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I want, so I shouldn't have done that. Book 2, chapter 19, section 242. Book 2, chapter 19, section 242. If a controversy, which is what you call when the law, um, oh shoot, no, 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 get, get down. Uh, this, is, this is what we want. We want the controversy. We don't want rebellion. We want the controversy. Okay, look at this. If a controversy arise betwixt, which is an awesome word, a prince and some of the people, not all of the people, not even a majority of the people, some of the people. This is why you assemble. This is why your government, excuse me, this is why your founders reserved your right to assemble and did so expressly by writing it in the Constitution. Because if you meet with other people and you guys have a controversy with someone who's in government, John Locke's going to tell you how to uh, judge the matter. In a matter where the law is silent or doubtful, and the thing be of great consequence, like millions of people coming into your state, I should think that the proper umpire, that is the judge, the one who gets to determine righteousness, the one who gets to call balls and strikes, in such a case should be the body of the people. For in the cases where the prince hath a trust reposed in him, and is dispensed for the common ordinary rules of the law, there, if any men find themselves aggrieved, if any men find themselves aggrieved, are you aggrieved by millions of people coming across the border? Are you aggrieved when your municipal corporation has to use its public funds that it taxed from you to benefit and house them, to feed them, to give them cell phones? Are you aggrieved? And think the prince acts contrary to or beyond the trust. So you don't just go against the law, you go beyond the powers that were granted to you. 
I'm gonna, I'm going to, I'm, I'm the mayor of, let's say, Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm going to contract with a non-government organization, and I'm going to receive benefit. I'm going to receive a financial benefit for housing and accepting illegal immigration or illegal immigrants. Did I go beyond the trust? Yes. Why? The purpose of the trust is for the welfare of the people. That means the people that are there. That doesn't mean that you can do business to bring people who aren't there because the people who are not here coming here are not brought here for my benefit. They are brainwashing you, programming you, telling you they are for your benefit because America's too white, it's too Christian, it's racist, and so we need a bunch of brown people, we need a bunch of people who speak Spanish, we need a bunch of people who worship Allah, we need a bunch of people who have it in their cultural history to rape women and little children. We need all of these things. We need to get rid of who America is and what America stands for because it's to your benefit because of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Does that make sense? And because that's the thing, when they do this and they sell you that narrative, they're going beyond the trust. The trust is for your welfare. It's for your benefit. It's for your protection. Okay? Who so proper to judge is the body of the people? Who at first lodged that trust in him? We gave them the power. How far they meant it should to extend. If I gave you the power, don't I get to judge if you've gone too far beyond what I gave you? That's why we write down what you have. If we don't write... If we did not write down what you are using, then that means you are using what we didn't give you because we weren't dumb enough to not give you what we didn't want you to have. That's because it's an express trust. But if the prince or whoever they uh, be in the administration decline that way of determination. So if the administrator, if the prince, the legislative prince is like the official, it's just like uh, the county commissioner, it's the sheriff, it's the, it's anyone who's an elected orifice, right? If they, and I say that on purpose because that's what my dad did as a little joke, amen. Um, so this, um, this, this prince right here, they decline the way of determination, which means they, they disagree with you, with us. You write them a notice and they, some uh, bar attorney comes back and say, well, we declined because of statute and case law and blah, 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 blah. So if they decline that way of determination, the appeal lies uh, excuse me the appeal then lies nowhere but to heaven forced between either persons who have no known superior on earth or which permits no appeal to a judge on earth now think this go 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 slow go slow go slow if the trustees in government are beholden to the text of the law which is the constitutions if they go outside of the constitutions and the judge of going outside is the people if the trustees disagree with the people then the only appeal is to heaven. This is the nature of the revolutions. And so when the Declaration of Independence was written, the some people of the Declaration, 56, wrote the king and said, hey, we're out. We're, we're not with you anymore. And it did not take a majority. It did not take a, a bazillion people. It took 3%. 3% won the independence, declared the independence, and won the independence of America. And this is why if you stand on the law, if you're bold as a lion to declare that truth, the wicked will run. And now think about it practically. If you are a government official and you've got people telling you the law, showing you in the law where you're wrong, and you go against them, you don't you think that they outnumber you? I mean, let's just be, let's just be, let's just be candid. How many government officials are there? How many of us are there? When we give notice and affidavit, when we tell them what the law is, and the more people who study it and understand the fundamental law, our, our numbers are growing, folks. Our numbers are growing so fast and so much. The numbers of government officials are not growing. 
and the government officials are going outside their boundary. They're abusing their powers. So the more that they abuse, the more they actually push people into learning what the law is. And the more people who learn what the law is will be bold as a lion, courageous, and stand on the truth. And the more people who are bold and courageous as a lion and stand on the truth, the more, uh, I believe, the more that God favors that. Why? Because that's what Jesus told us. Jesus told us in the Great Commission, all power in heaven and on earth are given to me. Go ye therefore and teach the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all of my commands, all of his commands. How do we teach the nations to obey? By using Christ's wisdom. We have to declare what the truth is, which means we have to know what the truth is, which means when we declare what we know, it has to be right. We have to study to show ourselves approved, and we can't back down. When you have that courage, when you have that dedication to abide in his word and you know what's true, God blesses that. All right, so let's let's dive down into, um, let's get back into, uh, first of all, you can go to humblewb.coffee, humblewb.coffee, get the benefit of delicious air roasted coffee delivered right to your door. The membership's purpose is to make sure that we distribute Bibles across America because we want people to know the Bible. Go to humblewb.coffee to get delicious air roasted coffee, no additives, no preservatives. It's all organic. Unlike 99% of coffees that put the bean in a metal drum, spin it around and set it on fire and then load it up with a bunch of fake stuff, possibly carcinogenic. I don't know because I don't drink that garbage. Humblewb.coffee is delicious air roasted coffee delivered right to your door. God bless. Go there. It's a blessing. Uh, Now I want to go to the Colorado constitution. Remember our um, first video. Our first video was about the lady uh, and her grandkids who had come from Venezuela and understand that that video was about emotion. It was about tugging at the heartstrings. And this is how the godless commies are destroying this nation by getting us to get distracted away from the law and be, um, you know, bleeding hearts as we look at people. Now, for every one of these Spanish-speaking Venezuelan grandmothers with a bunch of grandkids, there are probably 20 uh, military-aged males, also non-English speaking, who are coming across the border uh, as they go. That's, I mean, it's all, it's all illegal, it's all unlawful. But for every one of those people, there are more Americans who are here who don't want it. And so as we've studied in part one, just because you have the right to travel because God is good and you can travel his earth doesn't mean that you can just kind of go wherever you want because you tacitly consent to the government of that land. If the government of that land is a constitutional republic and the people of that land are the judge of how the powers of government are used, whether they are lawful or abusive or uh, outside of what's given, which it is, then the people of this nation get to determine and say, yeah, we don't want you here. Which gets back to what was part two, talking about how the state constitutions are not subjected to the United States Constitution. United States Constitution includes naturalization, which means the people are already here. Immigration is not in the U.S. Constitution. So immigration is silent on the U.S. Constitution. Why do you think that is? Immigration is not in the United States Constitution because states with their own constitutions are sovereign. Sovereign powers govern their territory free and without the abuse and the influence of other powers. So if a state has a constitution 
That constitution is the government of that physical state. That's the law. And the U.S. Constitution means the federal government can't tell the state what to do. What has happened is that the U.S. Constitution, through bar attorneys and people who just don't know the law and globalist godless commies, they twist those words. They use the power to regulate commerce to cudgel the states in order to uh, write, uh, in order to make the states obey. So they'll contract with you by giving you money. If you take in a bunch of illegals, here's some money. Or what they'll do is because the states also have their legislative council, who the legislative council is also bar attorneys, and those bar attorneys are taught in law school not what the law is, but what the system is. They will advise and give counsel to statutes that have the states try to regulate the economic productivity of its state. Well, once the state legislature starts to regulate the commercial aspect of its state, the federal government, because everyone's thinking that the federal government has all the power to regulate commerce, even though it's among foreign nations, among the several states and foreign uh, and uh, foreign nations, it's not in the states. Right? The federal government doesn't have the ability to regulate commerce in the state, but among the states, among the Indian tribes and the foreign nations is the grant. And that's another topic we can talk about that later. But because the state statutes will regulate the economic activity in the state, which was the council by the bar attorneys, what they're doing is they're creating opportunity to go to court for money, which is what the bar does. But the federal government will sue the state governments and using saying, hey, we got the power to commerce, which is what Kennedy said in the 2012 uh, Supreme Court decision. If that makes sense, you now need to understand what the law says, which now we go to Colorado and we look at the Colorado law. Now, remember, that clip was about Denver. So now let's just go down to the uh, Colorado Constitution, Article 20. Article 20, Article 20, XX. Article 20, let's, uh, no, it's pretty jihaded, but let's uh, stop. Let's do this a little bit bigger. No, that's, that's pretty good. You guys can read that. So Article 20, uh, Colorado Constitution. Article 20, Colorado Constitution. It's going to talk about uh, incorporated. The municipal corporation known as the city of Denver. Stop. What did we talk about from Blackstone? Corporations are erected by whom? The sovereign, the king. Why are corporations erected? Because they are a group or it's a, it's a group of individuals that they could not do by the, they could not do on their own what they're trying to do as they incorporate. So you form a municipal, a municipal corporation for what reason? To have rules and regulations and government of that locale, of that local, uh, local uh, area. So that's why it forms. But this is telling you straight up the municipal corporation known as the city of Denver, which means the city of Denver is a what? Municipal corporation. Does that make sense? Does that follow? Sometimes our, our, our brain, we haven't been trained or taught uh, how to understand legal language, but you have to understand the constitutions are written for the basic general knowledge. The municipal corporation known as the city of Denver is the way of saying the city of Denver is the municipal corporation. And then it says, and all municipal corporations in that part of the quasi-municipal corporation known as the county of Arapaho, right? It goes on, blah, 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 blah. What I want to do is I want to go to Article 20, which is right here, Article 20, Section 6. This is your Colorado Constitution. 
And you can, you can do this for all of them. You just got to go read. Article 20, Section 6. We're going to go down here to subsection G. Subsection G. The assessment, and what we're doing in Article 6 is what? Home rule. What is home rule? Let me get my uh, Black's Law Dictionary. Let's do this. Let's do this. Where's my camera? Where's my pencil? Handy dandy. Here we go. Uh, Article 6. Where'd you go? Where'd you go? Where'd you go? Excuse me. Home rule. Home rule. In constitutional and statutory law, local self-government, or the right thereof. Right? So in constitutional law and statutory law, it's this local self-government. Right? And then in British politics, a program or plan or more or less definitively formulated demand for the right of local self-government for Ireland, blah, blah, blah. So home rule is the uh, local government, local self-government, local self-government. Understand? Okay. So that's what home rule is. So now section six, home rule for cities and towns. So this is talking about the local self-government of cities and towns in the state of Colorado. So if we look at the local government for the cities and towns of the state of Colorado, we're going to go down to sub, uh, subsection G. And these, uh, this section six is talking about what? This is um, hereby vested, right? Vested. What are they vested? Vested means given, granted, right? So a municipal corporation, right? Cities and towns. Municipal corporations are given, which means they don't have naturally. What is what this what section six is about to say is this is the powers that have been given to municipal corporations in Colorado. Make sense? And they shall always have power. Now, it's going to say what these powers are, and it's going to tell you right now what the purpose of the power is. Power to do what? To make, amend, add to, or replace the charter of said city or town, which shall be its organic law and extend to all of its municipal matters. Right? So this is going to say, such charter and the ordinances made pursuant thereto in such matters shall supersede with the territorial limits. Notice how it says territory? Territorial limits and the other jurisdiction of said city, town, other blah, 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 blah. Okay? Um... So what we want to do is go down to G. This is Article 20, Section 6, Paragraph G of Colorado Constitution. The assessment of property in such city or town through municipal taxation and the levy and collection of taxes. So stop. Stop. The Constitution just gave the municipal corporations the ability to assess property. Now you need to understand what property is. If the Constitution is talking about property, the Constitution is talking about property that is in the jurisdiction of the Constitution. The Constitution is a republic, not a reprivate, so the assessment of property here is public property. It's property that is regulated by the government, which means that there is property that is not regulated by the government. And we can show that later at another time. But the assessment of property in such city or town through municipal taxation. So that means that there is property that is in the territory of cities and towns that is for taxation. Okay? And the levy and collection of taxes thereupon for municipal purposes. What you need to do is understand where in the charter. Remember at section up here? It says what? They shall have a what? They shall have um, power to replace the charter. Add or replace the charter shall be its organic law. So there is a charter 
that is organic law that tells you what the purpose of municipal of the municipal of the municipality is. I can't talk. The charter will tell you what the purpose of that municipality is. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you that municipal that municipal charter will never say uh, for the benefit of aliens ever, ever. It will never say that. I guarantee that. And special assessments for local improvements, such assessments. So it's telling you it can tax for municipal purposes and what? Special assessments. And then it tells you what the special assessments are. Such assessments, which are what? Right? Assessments for local improvements. Levy and collection of taxes for special assessments to be made by municipal officials or by the county or state officials as may be provided by the charter. It's important to know what the charter says. The charter is like the constitution for that city. So you need to know what the purpose of that charter is. The purpose for that charter is going to be for the purpose of what? Home rule. What was home rule? Self-local and self-government. Local and self-government is not about bringing aliens to where you are, right? Right? So now I want to go to, um, what did I write here? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to keep going. Okay, here it is. When we go down, it is the, the, the Constitution is literally going to tell you what's up. It is the intention of this article. What's this article? This is article what? This is article 20. It is the intention of Article 20, Colorado Constitution. Go back down. So the intention of Article 20 of the Colorado Constitution is what? It is the, where we go. It is the intention of the article to grant, which is to give, and confirm, which is to verify, to say, hey, this is the truth. We're going to give and make sure of the, of the what? To all people of all municipalities coming within the provisions of the full right of self-government. So the reason Article 20 exists is to grant and confirm that everybody inside a city has what? The full right of self-government in both local and municipal matters and the enumeration, which is to specify, herein of certain powers. Certain powers is not all powers, which when you go back to Locke, what did they do? Who's the judge, right? Who's the judge in this matter? The judge in the matter is the people of self-government because there's certain powers, not all powers, not every power, certain powers, the specified powers. Like in subsection G, when the purpose of taxes is for what? Municipal purposes and special assessments for local improvements. That's why you can tax in the, in the city of Denver. You can tax in the city of Denver for that right there. You can do collections of fines and provisions of that, all that for all these other stuff. But tax comes for municipal purposes, special assessments for local improvements. That's the law. Period. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Don't move on from there. So if the full right of self-government for both the local and municipal matters and the enumeration herein of certain powers shall be construed, uh, shall, excuse me, shall not be construed to deny such cities and towns and to the people thereof any right or power essential or proper to the full exercise of such right. When the local municipality taxes people, it does so under the municipal grant of power under its charter, or excuse me, for the purpose of its charter under the grant of power from the state constitution. 
That's where the power of municipal taxes comes from. The Constitution will tell you the purpose of those taxes. Then you have to look at the purpose of the charter. If the purpose of the charter is not to benefit, excuse me, if the purpose of the charter is to benefit the welfare of the people that live in there, then why is the city using taxpayer money to benefit people who aren't from there? How can the city conduct business to benefit for financial gain to bring people from not there to there? How can they uh, justifiably, according to home local lo- home rule or local self-government, how can you contract with corporations who's only erected for or by the, the kingly wisdom, the royal wisdom of the king for the benefit of the people? How can it do business with a corporation to bring people who are not from there to there so that only a few may benefit financially at the detriment of the whole? This is why the propaganda of diversity, equity, and inclusion happens. They have to tell you that America's racist or bad or too white, too Christian, and they have to say they have to tug on your heartstrings to show here's this grandma and her kids, and they show the little kid, I am from Venezuela. Yes, you are. You are not from America. I want you to know Jesus. I don't want you to be cold. I don't want you to be sick. But it's warmer in Venezuela than it is in Denver, Colorado. So if you're cold on the city streets of Colorado, get on a bus or turn around and walk back. And the good, fine Christian folk of Colorado would be preaching the gospel and giving you bread as you go. Because you are not from here. And if the people who are here say that you are a danger to our culture, danger to our customs, danger to our society then you, by being here, go against the laws of this nation, which means you don't have a lawful right to be here, but you're also doing it in such a way that the powers permitting you to be here are abusing what we gave them to do. We did not give them the power to let you to come here. We gave them the power to make sure that you did not come here unless you were wanted to come here. This is the law. This is not what people know because we're not taught. So now I want to go back. One last thing in the Colorado Constitution is you need to understand not that. Click the wrong button again. Now you need to go back in the Colorado Constitution and we need to go to Article 10, Section 7. Article 10, where are you at? Article 10, this is revenue. So now we're going to talk about taxation. Article 10, Section 7 of the Colorado Constitution. Now you need to have a mind for what I'm doing. What I'm doing right now is I'm literally showing you the methodology. I'm not just telling you what the law is, but please understand, I'm laying out the methodology. I'm laying out searching the constitutions, reading what the constitutions say. Not We haven't talked about one statute. We haven't talked about one case law. We've looked at what the law is. We've looked at what John Locke said. We look at what William Blackstone said. We've gone to the authorities in the law. We haven't gone to stupid legislators or hope grifting lawyers or Supreme Courts. We've gone to what the law says and we've looked at what the authority of our system is. No statutes, no case law, no regulations, no executive orders, none of that. We've gone to the constitutions. If you want to learn more and do the specifics, you can go to Dave, Dave's uh, webinars, which is what I would recommend. It's what I've done. Um, and he's at Real Dave Cares for you on um, Twitter. But understand what I'm doing is I'm showing the methodology. The methodology is to read your state constitutions. Slow down. 
read the words and don't just blow past something because often your training, our public schools, our narratives, our media, even our politicians, our lawyers, everything has been hoodwinking us. Luke 11:52 says, woe unto you lawyers for you've uh, hidden the key of knowledge. To hide something means that it doesn't exist. It means that it's just obscured from someone else seeing it. So when you see the state constitutions, you're like, wow, where, where was this written? How do I not know this? Because it was never told you to go read it. So understand what we're doing. And if you support, there's links in the description below. Article 10, Section 7. Article 10, Section 7. And by the way, if anything ever says this, Section 3.5, beware of this stuff. Beware of this because it's always going to show some type of referendum, which doesn't mean it's not the law. It just means that you want to go back to the original as much as possible. You want to go back to the original because an amendment does not repeal fundamental laws. Just because there's an amendment doesn't mean that it can do away with fundamental principles, which means that if the, the people, for example, if the people put to a vote, we want to be able to butcher babies in the womb. We want legal abortion. They can't do that because they can't derogate the right to life. Because abortion is murder, it will never be lawful, ever. Even, even if the people in the state put it, on the put it on the ballot and voted it and etched it into the Constitution, the Constitution cannot go against the fundamental principles because the Constitution is what binds government. The fundamental principles are the law. I hope that makes sense. And the law is based on the usages, customs, and antiquity that come from the Anglo-Saxon people who are reading the Bible. So when they're reading the Bible and they say, this is the law of the land, the common law, that comes from the Bible. So when you read the Bible, that's what the common law comes from. So if you change the constitution, you're changing how the government can operate. What you're not doing is writing into the Constitution what privilege you have. You can't do that. You can reserve your power, but you can only reserve your power as one who creates government. If you create government, it means you come from Jesus. You're, you're, you're one of the people who is uh, you know, an image bearer of Christ. But if you stand on that, you can't use powers Christ didn't give you. So when he tells you you can't murder, you can't say, I have the right to murder. No, you can't do that. Freaking hoax. You're a murderer if you do that. Uh, section 7. What are we going to do? Um, section 7. So uh, Article 10, Section 7. Um, the General Assembly shall not impose taxes for the purposes of any county, city, town, or other municipal corporation. Remember, Denver was a what? Denver was a municipal corporation. But may, by law, vest, which is give... Give in the corporate authorities, right? There's your authorities, thereof respectively, the power to assess and collect taxes for all purposes of such corporation. This is again telling you that the purpose of the corporation, Denver is a municipal corporation. Denver has a charter. Denver was given the power to, to tax. Why was it given the power to tax? For all the purposes of such corporation. If you go against the purpose of the corporation, the power to tax is rebellion against the Constitution. Does that make sense? That, that's why I laid out what we laid out. So if so the for, for just stream purposes, 
because we got to wrap up. If if you are a legislator, or if you're dealing with legislators, or if you're just one of the people and you live in Denver or Tulsa or you know any other city affected by illegal immigration, this stream has literally laid out the methodology of knowing what the law is. So you would conform notice, you would write affidavit, and you would look at the original city charter, you would look at your state constitution, you would look at what the usages of the public funds there are, and you would ask the question, are you granted the power to use public funds to support illegal aliens? Where, where did the constitution give you the power to use public funds to house illegal aliens when the original city charter says that the purpose is for the general welfare of the people? Because the people that are here illegally and unlawfully don't have right to benefit from government, especially if that government benefit is derived from taxes taken from people who are here lawfully. That's a that's that's a, you are now in rebellion. You are in rebellion to the Constitution. Put that together, rewatch, put it on repeat. Amen, um, folks. Nothing that I say here matters if you do not believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. His death, his burial, his resurrection. Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life, born of a virgin, voluntarily took the cross because he loves you and he was obeying God the Father. God poured his wrath out on Jesus Christ when Jesus was put into the grave. It shows that he was physically dead and that the influence of sin was over. That's what his death symbolizes. When he was buried, it's to show he's done. He buried the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ proves that he's king, proves that he's God, proves that Jesus is the only way to life over death. That the only way for the remission of your sins so you don't go to hell and live in conscious eternal torment in a lake of fire because God's wrath will be on you for any one sin you do, let alone all the others. The only way to uh, benefit, the only way to receive salvation is to believe the gospel and obey the gospel. When you believe the gospel, you will do what Jesus says to do. This means that whenever you hear, faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. This means that whenever you hear this, you will be confessing your sin. You will be repenting because to believe something but not to behave something is to not actually believe it. How do you hear but not do? If you don't do, do you really believe? This, these, these are critical, critical ideas that if Christ is your king, if your heart has been circumcised, you will do what he tells you to do. You will do what he tells you to do. This means that you will believe the gospel, you'll confess your sins, you'll repent of those sins. You won't want to do them anymore. Not because you're not tempted to, not because you're not saying, man, that was fun or that I, 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 I'm just used to it. It's a habit. Not because you're not tempted to but because you serve your king. You serve the king, Jesus Christ, and you'll be baptized in your name. And there's there's issues, uh, people have issues on this. Baptism is not a work. Baptism is not what you do. Colossians chapter 2, verse 12 says it's an operation of the Lord. God does it. You don't baptize yourself. You just sit there. Someone else dunks you in the water. It's God doing it through the operation of people who believe in him. That's why John the Baptist baptized Jesus. It's a symbol of the death to bear the resurrection. But people want to jump into that and they want to explode it into doctrinal little tidbits and say, when, when are you saved? When is the moment of salvation? That's not, that's not a Bible question. That's not a Bible question. The question is, you or the, the realization is, you are a sinner. You're going to go to hell. You're not guaranteed the next moment. 
So you ask the question, what do I have to do to be saved? Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. That's what you do. People bring up, what about the thief on the cross? Well, he was looking at the, uh, at the Savior. He's looking right at Jesus. If, if you look right at Jesus and you ask him, can I be in paradise with you? And he says, yes, I will shut up. Until you see the, the, the Savior on the cross and you ask him to his face before he died, before he physically rose from the grave. When that happens, you can ask him and you can set those conditions. Afterwards, now that there's the New Testament and God has revealed his word and he says, this is how it's done. It's how it's done. But there's a lot of people that like to bring tradition, bring uh, doctrine, and they don't want to just read the plain text. What we're doing in the constitutions, we're reading the text and saying, this is what it means. We're not twisting it and saying, well, when's the moment? And, and really the, the issue, if I can kind of dog, you know, kind of dog leg here, this is a spat between Protestants and Catholics. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a reformational doctrine that says that I just have to believe and I don't do anything. Well, first of all, baptism isn't something that you do. It's something God does, Colossians 2.12. But secondly, understand that the, the division between the Catholics and the Protestants is not concerning the Bible. The Bible is what God says. Read what the Bible says. I don't care about the Catholics or the Protestants. I care about what the Bible says. Because I care about the Bible says, I don't care about what Calvin or Augustine or Luther or any of these other guys, who, who cares? I care about what the Bible says. None of those dudes were inspired. None of them were told by the Holy Spirit to say these things and this is scripture. None of them. The Bible's the Bible. We have the Bible. Read the Bible and know what God says. I don't see how that's hard. It's, it's, it's the same idea. It's like, we have the constitutions. Here's your constitution. Read the Constitution. I don't know why that's hard. Why are you reading case law? That's, you know, uh, uh, commentaries. Why, 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 are you reading, uh, why, why are you reading that code and that regulation? Why are you letting that statutory provision, you know, uh, get you? The London Baptist Confession, that, that's a statute. That's, a, that's like a special derivation of where people got together and said, this is what we agree. Okay, that's what they agreed to. But I'm not them and you're not them. You're someone who follows Jesus and you read the Bible. I read the Bible. I'm going to go with what the Bible says. And, and, and on this, because there will be people, there will be people that will say, just like what they do in the law, they'll say, well, but that's your interpretation. The Holy Spirit tells you how, what the Bible means. First Corinthians chapter two. It's only the, the wisdom of God is communicated by God. If you are not born again, you do not have the Holy Spirit indwelling in you. And if the Holy Spirit is not indwelling in you, he's not telling you what the Bible means. And so if you go to somebody else's commentaries, or if you're using someone else's doctrines or dogmas, you're listening to them tell you what the Bible means. You're not reading the Bible for the Holy Spirit to tell you how the Bible means. And I'll say one last thing. Deuteronomy 31, what was it? Let me just, let me just go there. In Deuteronomy 31, now I'm off script. Deuteronomy 31, where are you at? I was reading this the other day. Deuteronomy 31, is it verse 12? Yeah, here we go, here we go. Deuteronomy 31, we're going extra today. Deuteronomy 31, Deuteronomy, come on, Deuteronomy 31, verse 12. Gather the people together, men, women, children, and thy stranger that is within thy gates, that they may hear and that they may learn and fear the Lord your God and observe all the words of his law. You gather the strangers, you go out to the highways, the byways, and you get them all. People say, well, I only want to go to church that's Baptist or Presbyterian or Catholic or whatever. 
those are your denominations. The Bible tells you, gather all the men. Gather them all. Gather all the men. Gather all the children. Gather the strangers that are in your gates. Invite them to where you are and say, hey, let's read this Bible. Let's read this Bible. And then the, the wisdom is that if you actually believe that this is God talking to you, your heart is for him. And if the Bible is, if you believe that the Bible is God talking to you, you're going to say, well, I have a doctrine that I heard from this guy. Well, let's be a Berean. Is that in here? Well, no, I, I see how they've kind of strung it together. So they took a lot of different independent parts that have their own contexts and their own audiences, and they've conformed it to a little doctrinal little snippet, and it's expounded over time to where everyone who goes to that denomination believes that doctrine. Is that what you're saying to me? Is that what you're telling me? And you're going to tell me that collection of proof texts stands as its own doctrine, but that's not how God revealed it in its natural state. God revealed him, revealed his word through his prophets, through his disciples, the way he wanted it to. And it's not going to be so cut and dry. When is the moment of salvation? Well, what, what heart are you asking that with? I think you're asking with an academic understanding and not a heart understanding. I think your heart understanding is, I'm a sinner. I need to believe the gospel and do what Jesus tells me to do. And people literally ask that question in Acts 2.38. What must we do to be saved? Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. I don't see why this is hard. Well, I mean, I know why it's hard. People have their own biases, preferences, doctrines, doctrines, and, uh, you know, traditions. I, I get it. Like, I understand. I just don't agree. Anyway, that was way off track. One of the ways you can bless me is to go to patriotswitch.com slash Jaren. Patriotswitch.com slash Jaren. There are other links in the description. Um, this is this is a, a major blessing to me and my family. Not only have we switched over and now we use Patriot Switch, but it is an effort to take the money that you're spending and help American manufacturing, which is desperately needed because the godless commies have undermined this nation. Our values, uh, they've outsourced uh, you know labor. They've in, you know they've uh, imported a bunch of people who aren't from here. So PatriotSwitch.com slash Jaren is an opportunity. Myself or someone with me will call you. And we'll explain, hey, here's what's going on. You can take it or leave it. Not a big deal. If you do, it blesses me because that's that's the, the benefit that I get. But you can cancel any time. If you don't want to do it, no harm, no foul. I'd appreciate you doing it, trying it out, giving it a test. And, and, and consider this. Just like we talked about with the law, just like we talked about with the Bible, it's a way of challenging how you currently do things. It's a way of challenging how you think. And if you see it from that perspective, test it test it. If you test it, don't like it. Amen. God bless you. If you don't test it and criticize it, who like what where um, you're criticizing with that experience, which is fine, but make sure that it's it's provable. Make sure that it's true. Um, and that's that's why we want you to sign up so that we can talk to you and say, hey, here's what's going on. Here's what this is. Anyway, appreciate your time. You also have other options, which is the humblewb.coffee. Humblewb. Coffee till next time, Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow. I am Jaron Jackson. I do love America. Do not quit. Go to war. <laughs>